The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is June 19th. Happy June 19th to you all. We have a great show today. We're going to talk Bradley Beal not going to the Bucks. He's going to the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about that. Where do the Bucks go from here? We're also going to discuss the Milwaukee Brewers sweeping the Pittsburgh Pirates. Can we just play the National League Central? And then I'll talk about my weekend a little bit. Uh, summer Solstice is, I think, one of the most underappreciated things in Milwaukee. And I just want to give it some love. A uh, little recap of the Solstice and what I saw. Uh, some fun stories. All good times. Good vibes and everything else. Before we get going, just a reminder. Social media. Tapping the Keg on Twitter. Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Come hang out with us. Uh, we'd love to have you. We're also on Facebook at that same moniker. Uh, subscribe to the pod, rate, review. Uh, I would love to see a few more ratings, a few more reviews. Uh, listens are a little slow. I think all you guys are enjoying your summers, which is fucking awesome. I understand it is a dead period here in the state of Wisconsin, as well as the city of Milwaukee. If you have any content ideas, anything that you want to hear, anything that maybe have you reasons you're not tuning in as, as often, I'd love some feedback um and maybe it's a sign that you know take maybe we're a three a day a week podcast during the summer months not to say that we're going to do that i'm not going to pull the ripcord on anybody just yet but something something i'll definitely think about because we've certainly seen a dip now that uh the there's really nothing going on so would love it any sort of feedback that you may have uh if you're like yeah all things are good keep it moving i certainly will sometimes i get in my head with that kind of stuff all right Let's talk about Bradley Beal, then let's talk about the Brewers, then let's talk about the summer solstice. I'll mention that Jordan Love Packer thing at the at the very end of the show too, by the way. Uh, if you haven't caught that or know what I'm talking about, you'll know by the end of today's program. The Milwaukee Bucks do not have Bradley Beal on their roster. Instead, Bradley Beal is going to the Phoenix Suns. He is traded for Chris Paul and Landry Shannon. Basically, Bradley Beal was traded for a bag of balls. Chris Paul is basically has a half a year left on his deal, or has a year left on his deal. Technically, it's a team option, but it's half guaranteed. Chris Paul could likely be waived. Landry Shamit, you know, is whatever. I don't think Landry Shamit's making anything happen. The Washington Wizards got zero picks. There are pick swaps involved, so the Wizards could have the Suns pick if the Suns magically tank. Those picks could belong to the Washington Wizards. But the Washington Wizards did not get any outright first pick, first round picks. It is an absolute crime. All right, it's an absolute crime. It is. The, it's a disgusting trade. It's an embarrassment. I don't think anyone's going to be on the first takes, the get ups, the first things first of the world, and going to be championing this trade that Washington did everything they could. Now they are exact. They are tied to that no trade clause. Right, that no trade clause was definitely a reason why this happened. And Bradley Beal forced his way in into Phoenix. But I, I do want to expound on that because I don't understand how they didn't get more, right? Like, how did you not get more for this deal? How did you not involve a third team? How did you not say, hey, we're trading DeAndre Ayton to Indiana, who had interest in him in the past, and we're going to get some picks from Indiana if you're Phoenix. And then Washington's going to get maybe like a Buddy Heald or something like that, right? And they, and they get some picks from Indiana. Who knows? Who knows what it may be, right? But this should have been a bigger deal. And the fact that Washington just gave away Bradley Beal is fucking nuts to me. The fact that Mark Barlstein's son, Josh, is the CEO of the Suns, it, it's borderline collusion, 
Like you have to at least look at it. You have to at least have a discussion if you're the league office. Maybe you find nothing, but it should be a warning shot to the rest of the league. We know how tied in the agency world is. I think I've talked about that on programs before and nothing's more apparent after seeing this deal go down. So now for the Milwaukee Bucks, where where do you go? The Milwaukee Bucks did make an offer, but Bradley Beal seemed like he wanted to be the third option in Phoenix versus being maybe the second option in Milwaukee. Bradley Beal is an all-time loser. I should have stayed on that island. I was on that island for a long time. I had had podcasts where I talked about how I didn't want Bradley Beal. I felt like Bradley Beal was the least clutch guy. I don't care what stats say. I just never, you never really trusted Bradley Beal in a big moment. Bradley Beal didn't have a lot of big moments for his career. I thought this guy was a fucking loser and I didn't stick to my guns. That's on me. I got swept up in it. Bucks Twitter swept me up and we're talking about how Bradley Beal would have worked perfectly with Chris and Giannis. And I was all in. I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. I, I started to talk myself into it. I was like, don't worry about the contract. We'll figure it all out. And then I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, this is this is something I should have I should have just stayed, stand my stood my ground and been like, yeah, Beal is not that guy. Because I always felt like Bradley Beal was a non-winning player. I felt like he was a good stats, bad team kind of guy. And instead, this guy ended up saying, I want to go play in Miami or Phoenix. Like, he was just like, I would have played a war weather climate where the team's kind of good. And I don't want to be in Washington. I don't want to be in any cold weather cities. I don't want to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo, even though there's some mutual respect there. And so the Bucks did make an offer, but it wasn't good enough. And he goes to Phoenix. And Phoenix, and, and it was his choice, right? Because it's a no-trade clause. Now, the collusion part, the part where you ask questions is, did Barlstein influence Phoenix because his son's there? That's That, to me, is the key, key question that has to be asked. And everybody can deny, deny, deny. Um, you'd have to get some sort of smoking gun. You'd have to get a text message. You'd have, to, you'd have to get some sort of thing that would tell you, oh, yeah, this was basically cooked up by a father-son duo and brought Bradley Beal here to Phoenix. But we can't, we can't prove any of that, likely. But I still think the NBA should look into it. But yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer. Uh, I guess the positive is Beale State goes to the West. Uh, that brings one less team you know, in the East. It's not Miami doesn't get this sort of reset. And Miami gets elevated into, I think, the top four of the Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, and the Sixers. Now, I know you're like, are you really going to hate on Miami again after they got to the finals? Look, Miami was an eight seed last year, all right? Like, Miami wasn't good all regular season. They were a 15-point run away from not even making the playoffs in general. I'm not ready to just immediately crown Miami's ass and say, oh, yeah, that's going to be a top-four team in the West East next year. Excuse me. Like, I, I'm just not. And maybe I should. Maybe it's disrespectful to Miami. But I'm just not going to look at this playoff run and say, okay, yeah, they have everything fixed. Now, if they add a Damian Lillard, right, if they make another big sort of splash acquisition, then yeah, I will say, I will put some more respect on it and say they elevate past Philadelphia. But I, I look at that right now as, as they are the, well, the top three is Boston, Philly. I screwed that up. Boston, Philly, and, and Milwaukee. I still feel like if you're talking long-term and everything else, 
But I guess you probably, you might have to put Miami as that third team. And maybe the fourth team can't be Cleveland, just given how they, they bowed out in the playoffs. And I don't think you put New York as that fourth team. I think we can do a power rankings podcast after the dust settles, after free agency happens and the draft and everything else. But I, I do think Miami has a little bit of higher regard than maybe they should at this very moment. But still getting Beal into the West is not a bad thing. I think we'll, we'll take that anytime over because he's not playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Where do the Bucks go from here? All right, where, where does this sort of happen? We know that they were looking at Bradley Beal. Will they pursue Dame Lillard? Dame Lillard apparently isn't going anywhere per Brian Winhurst. Um, and Chris Haynes was kind of like, ah, if they, you know, maybe. And Chris Haynes is the Dame guy. So it seems like we have conflicting reports on Damian Lillard at the moment. The Bucks could look at Anthony Simons. I don't know if Drew Holiday is enough to get get the third pick overall for Simons and the third. Uh, it might be more like the 23rd pick that they have that is New York's pick. But regardless, like there could be uh, there could be options available for the Milwaukee Bucks that go just beyond Bradley Beal. And that's, I guess, the positive, right? Bradley Beal is not the only, only person that is available in this trade sort of market. I think it's going to be a very active market. I think people are going to try to do different things to figure out the apron. It also seems like the Bucks might be looking at potentially moving on from Grayson. Uh, Jake Weidenbach reported that they're looking to move up into the draft and see the trade value of Grayson Allen to see maybe if they can get a late first round pick. I think that makes a ton of sense, right? Gives you a little more cap flexibility. Gives you potentially another guy who is a, I would see a wing personally would be my preference. Get another young athletic wing, maybe someone ready to play right away. Christian Braun type, if you will. Like, you know, out of college, you know, has the experience, can be slotted right in, you know, day one instead of it being something where it's a, it's a long process, right? Uh, you know, maybe somebody from a foreign country, maybe, you know, somebody who hasn't played a ton of basketball where he's a freshman, where it's an actual dude who's played a ton of hoops and you know you can slot him in right away or give him a shot to be a rotation player before Christmas. That, to me, it would be ideal. But I guess some people were discrediting wide box reporting saying he's kind of a clout chaser. So I'm not gonna go too deep or I'm not gonna think too lustfully about the Milwaukee Bucks getting into the first round of the NBA draft. I think it would be great if they did. Uh, they have a 58th pick. I would like them to even move up in the second round for cash. Like get somebody falls that you like, get get them at 40, right? Get them at 45. That to me, I think are both great decisions for Milwaukee. But uh, you know, that that to me is, is nothing that we have to talk about in too great detail. There's a lot of ball game left to be played here, right? We're... 10 days, I think, away from the NBA draft. So we have a lot of time before the draft actually happens. So I, I will I will wait to see what they do draft-wise, but I, I am not surprised that Grayson Allen's the guy that they would move on from. I think if you were to power rank the guys that they would move on from, I think Grayson Allen's definitely number one. I think Bobby Portis is number two. I think Bobby Portis contract-wise and just what he brings to a team would, would be a lot. I realize that there's a loyalty there. I realize... The fans, the casual fans love Bobby Portis, but I, I think it would be okay to trade Bobby Portis. I, I felt I did not have a great Bobby Portis 2022-2023 season. I think, and I think he has a lot of value, right? Um, I think Pat Connaughton's probably next, but I do think it's a significant drop-off between Grayson Allen and 
Bobby Portis and then Pat Connaughton. I think Pat Connaughton is a step down. Also, Pat Connaughton is a Giannis guy, so it will be harder, I think, to move Pat, move on from Pat Connaughton, but I don't know how much you're getting for Pat Connaughton. That's that's the thing of it. Uh, and Marjan Bochamp, I think, actually carries a ton of value, but I think with him working out with Giannis and Greece, it seems like they're very connected, uh, and I don't really think Marjan's going anywhere because of that. And... I don't think that Marjan's going to be any trade in any trade talks. I will I will put my myself on that island that I don't really see a way Marjan Bochamp gets gets put on you know any of the different trades that might be discussed. And Emmanuel quickly was in Greece with Giannis. That was interesting uh, from a recruiting side of things. Uh, Emmanuel quickly still under contract for the New York Knicks, but let me tell you. That would be a guy that I, I think would vastly improve the Milwaukee Bucks and would certainly give them a real point guard, right? Like Drew, Drew Holiday is good, but I don't know if I'd call Drew Holiday a real point guard. I'd call Emmanuel Quickly a real point guard. Now, do I think Holiday quickly is an upgrade over Holiday straight up? I'm, I'm a little unsure about that. I, I think that if you were to trade Holiday for Quickly and there were others, other parts involved, right? Like if you got R.J. Barrett, I think it was Shafty who suggested the R.J. Barrett quickly and Hartstein for Drew Holiday. Hartstein, you get back a big. R.J. Barrett, you get another guy who could start for you or come right, come off your bench. A uh, little bit of a distressed asset. There's been a lot of back and forth on R.J. Barrett, right? But I I think you get three you know three talented players. I think that'd be a great deal for the Bucks. Honestly, that'd be a great way for Milwaukee to get a little bit younger. Yes, losing Drew Holiday would suck. I think quickly it'd be a learning experience. I don't know how much I trust him playoff-wise. I'd worry a little bit perimeter defensively overall, but I, I still think he would get it, and I still think it would help the Bucks in the long term. It might hurt them a little bit in the short term. There might be a bit of a learn a one playoff year, one playoff learning curve before like we really see the fruits of the labor. We really see, you know, quickly come through for the Milwaukee Bucks. But that was that was probably the best deal that I saw this weekend that I liked. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's more to be done. There's more work to be done. This Beal thing stinks. It sucks. But I, I do like that John Horst, you know, made an offer. I like that he's, you know, actively looking to kind of shake up this Bucks roster. If they do run it back, Mitch was telling me that on Saturday with him. He's like, what if we just run it back? What if we just ended up running it back? How would you feel about that? And he told me he'd feel okay. I think I would be upset. I think it'd be a tough sell to a little bit of the fan base because you you know you lose in the first round and nothing changes. I think as long as you were able to get more athletic, right? You were able to trade Joe Ingles in for a more athletic wing who can shoot and play a little bit of defense. I think I'm all in on that idea, right? Or you get a backup big that helps alleviate some of the pressure from Brook Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I would like that too. Um, and you were able to give Marjan Bochamp more minutes, right? If Marjan Bochamp is your, your starting, you know, your fifth guy starting, I think I'm much more okay with running it back because that's a different look Bucks team. And so I'll be curious to see where, where it all nets out for Milwaukee. I, I think it's a great mystery, uh, but no Bradley Beal. Uh, and we look forward to uh, fading the Suns come November uh, because they're going to get so overvalued. Uh, there'll be the pick, there'll be a lot of people's picks to win win out West. They're going to have some crazy lines. I will look forward to taking those, those plus 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 signs as well as taking some of the dogs on the money line.
All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers just need to play the NL Central. Like, if the Milwaukee Brewers played, played the schedule that we had in 2022, 2021, I think they might be one of the best teams in baseball. Now, would they be one of the more fraudulent teams in baseball? Sure. But the Milwaukee Brewers are just straight up eating against the NL Central. The Brewers are 6-1 this month against the NL Central. They are 2-7, I believe, against everybody else. That said, that doesn't tell you, you know, this division a little bit, which I think has gotten a, a little bit better with how the Reds are playing. The Cubs have been playing pretty good baseball. They lost yesterday, but, you know, it, it's tightening up. Like, it's it's definitely not a two-horse race between the Brewers and Pirates. It's the Brewers, Reds, Pirates, and Cubs. They're all involved. They're four, the Cubs are four games back of the Milwaukee Brewers. So they are they are right in, right in the race. But to kind of further that point, the Brewers are 11-5 against the Central. They're 7-13 against the West, which is ominous playing uh, Arizona. And they're 3-0 against the East. They have not played much of the NL East so far. In interleague, they are a clear 500. So the Brewers have taken advantage of this division, even though they haven't played a ton of division games. They actually played the least amount of division games. Oh, no, the Cubs actually. They're 6-8. and eight. Uh, so the Cubs have played a li- just slightly less than than the Brew Crew, but it all evens out, you know, at the end. But this was a great weekend for them. I mean, the Brewers did a good job bouncing back in different ways. You know, we talked about selling stock on Thursday. They go around and they sweep, right? And I think that's it's just the roller coaster of baseball. And Mitch said that, and he was like, "Look, you're going to have these ebbs and flows, and this is this is a fl- this was kind of an ebb. I don't know when you say ebbs and flows is the ebb the bad and flows the good. Uh, if you can let me know." Uh, hit me up on social, tap into Kai on Twitter, tap into Kai Sports on Instagram. Would love to know that. But I guess peaks and valleys would be the better way to say it, right? And the Bucks were, or the Brewers, excuse me, were certainly in a valley and they got out of it. And they've, or they're slowly climbing out of it. I wouldn't say they're out, out of it. But I think now it's like, okay, let's, let's try to get on a run here. Let's try to you know, have a good rest of the June and really sort of put it, put an exclamation point and put that sweep against the Oakland A's behind you. Now, people will ignore that the Tampa Bay Rays lost two games to them as well, but that, that'll get lost in the shuffle. And it's too bad the Brewers didn't at least get one against Oakland, but that's so far in the past. I think what's great for the Brew crew is they did it in different ways you know, throughout the weekend. Friday, they jump on a lefty, which they, bar- they barely do. They never you know, jump on a left-handed pitcher. They get three runs off Rich Hill, and they sort of never look back. Uh, they get the Weimer home run, and it was a little shaky with Devin Williams at the end, but he found a way. And sometimes Devin Williams is going to do that. Sometimes you're really going to get sort of that K-Rod experience out of Devin Williams. Then on Saturday, your starting pitching absolutely dominates. It's very good to have Wade Miley back in business. Like Wade Miley was a great part of the early season success for the Milwaukee Brewers. He goes down with the injury uh, against St. Louis, and it's great to have Wade back in the rotation it's a it's a huge upgrade over adrian how i actually it so is adrian hauser that he's replacing I, I actually liked adrian hauser i felt like adrian hauser should have had a longer leash i would have personally kept hauser in the bull in the rotation over colin ray now do i think colin ray is a bullpen guy no not really i i, I don't see colin ray really providing that relief in the bullpen but the way Hauser pitches definitely can be a bullpen guy, has been a bullpen guy 
in the past. And I have to give Adrian Hauser a lot of credit for being a team guy. I, I have to imagine it's frustrating for him. He's not really had a defined role on this team. He, had, he was a great bullpen asset in 2021. Then they tried to make him a starter. Now that going back to bullpen in 2023, like it has to be frustrating for him. And I, and I definitely feel for that. Uh, and I do think he might end up being the you know replacement for Colin Ray because I, I just don't know uh, if necessarily Colin Ray can continue this. But back to Miley, you know, five innings, scoreless ball. Pirates are pretty good against lefties. They're 10th in OPS, which is usually a good indicator of how you are against, you know, the handedness. And so Miley having that kind of performance after basically six weeks off, if you'll say, like that's awesome. Like that's really, really good stuff for the Brewers and definitely pushing it in the right direction. And then the Brewers just got three really timely hits. They got two run over from Joey Weimer. They got two run double from Riley Telez and Bryce Perkins hit a, or Blake Perkins. I did that uh, on the review. Bryce Perkins is the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but Blake Perkins hit a 423 foot pinch hit home run in the ninth inning or eighth inning to give the Brewers a little bit of a cushion and insurance. And then they win that game five to nothing. And sometimes that's all it takes. Like, you know, in terms of offense, the Brewers don't need to be this juggernaut. They don't need to be the fucking Atlanta Braves, right? They don't need to score 14 runs or something like that. They just need to come up with timely hitting. And that's what's been lacking for basically the last six to seven weeks. And I feel like you saw it all weekend, uh, and hopefully it continues. Uh, but the Brewers definitely had it on that Saturday game. And then Sunday, they, they have their first two-run comeback since May 14th, which is fucking absurd, uh, that from Kurt Hogg, that they had not come back in over a month by more than two runs and just sort of shows you the state of this baseball team and I think why everybody was really frustrated. And it was a great win for them. And it's funny, I was on my way to my parents' house. My dad, one of the biggest Brewer fans I know, and I was at my in-laws before that. And I, we were texting about a couple different things, but I was like, all right, I'm on my way for the comeback. And Euchre had a great, great call for the uh, Contreras uh, game tying single. He was just all over it. It was great. He's like, oh, they're going to play it played. He's like, oh, he's safe. The Brewers are tied. And then I walked in. Owen Miller gets the walk. And then the Brewers are able to break it with a Luis Urias two runs. Oh, they had Tapia sack fly that broke the tie, which almost, almost was like a two or three run base clearer. Uh, Tapia is going to get his. It was a nice swing. And I, I hopefully we have more Tapia at bats. And then the Luis Urias two run single was fucking huge, man. And if Luis Urias can kind of get back to form, the Brewers are going to be a better baseball team. I know that there have been a lot of frustration with Luis Urias. I'm right there with you. Uh, my dad keeps preaching to me. It's a spring training. It's a spring training. And while I get that, I still am a little bit like, well, I need to see Luis put it in work, right? He just seems slower, seems a little bigger. Like as long as like he can work off that punch, punch a little bit and get his ass in gear, I'm all right with it. But good stuff from Luis. I like the move from Council hitting him down in the order. I do have a lineup thing that I want to do probably maybe tomorrow uh, that I, I just feel like the Brewers lineup needs to be fixed. Uh, but that was a good first step to put Urias down in the eight hole. Now, does any of this matter? Like, does this mean anything? It's a sweep against your NL rival. Does it mean anything in the grand scheme of things? I think a little bit, right? Like, if we look at the starters, they look great. Julio Turan, who we didn't mention about Friday, on Friday's performance, actual dude for now. 
Now, he's had some incredible luck. His BABIP, which if you're not familiar with, which is totally okay, BABIP is balls balls attempted in play or something like that. Uh, I should have had the definition for you. But basically what you know is it is evaluating the balls that are actually in play and basically evaluating the luck that you're getting. If you're 300, you're basically not getting any luck. You're basically, you know, how you are supposed to be. That's the average. If it's really high, it's a high BABIP, it means that just breaks aren't going your way. You know, balls are finding their way into the outfield or balls are flying finding their way through, you know, the infield, it, whatever it may be. If it's low, it means you're getting a lot of luck. And Julio Terranz is 220 right now, which means he's getting a ton of luck on, luck defensively. Now, is that something that's a, a sign of bad things to come? It might be, but I'm going to ride it out for now. At some point, it might go, go haywire, and it's good to know that. It's good to fact check yourself, but at least... Tehran's pitching really well for us now. And it's a cool story. And sometimes, man, that luck, that luck can continue for a long time. Like you can ride that luck all year. You can have that whole season of just being incredibly lucky when you go on the pitching mound. And luck is part of sports in every facet. And some guys have it, some guys don't. And there are years where it's the inverse, that they are just fucking snake bit. No matter what they do, somehow it doesn't really work out the way. You can make the case that Freddie Peralta Seems to have that, where he has one bad pitch a game that gives up a home run in. Like, you have a one to Reynolds, and he's, you know, he gave up a couple in that Oakland game, where if he just had a little bit more, you know, basically, Freddie Peralta is like six pitches, seven pitches away from being one of the better pitchers in the NL. Like, he just keeps making mistakes, like one big mistake each game. And if you took away those mistakes, those stat lines look really fucking good for Freddie. Uh, so that's frustrating, uh, to say the least. But you know, as for the bullpen, uh, in terms of fixing things, changing things, it seems like it's stabilized. The bullpen was sort of a problem uh, for the first half of, of this month. Uh, this weekend was a, a good sign in the right direction. I know Pagero gave up a couple runs, but Strzelecki seems to be out of the eighth inning. Pagero and McGill are getting the late looks now, which not a, not opposed to. I think both are hard throwers. Both have done pretty well for the brew crew and mcgill i I worry about the pressure of it all but he handled himself well uh today where he pitched he pitched the ninth inning and or not the ninth inning the eighth inning here and then he pitched the ninth inning the night before had no real issue so i I have to give trevor mcgill a lot of credit there which he looked rattled in a similar situation against cincinnati two weeks ago now i do agree with some of the thought that craig council sometimes puts those guys out there and even though they're not prepared just so they're ready and just so kind of they get to that point and maybe that trevor miguel is another example of this uh the bruge offense has been you know slowly getting better i know we have some frustrations whether it's urias whether it's jesse winker who had a good game today by the way but it is getting better the bruge offense has had five or more runs in five of the last six games you know that now, I, I get that they lost two of those. They lost to the Twins. They lost to the A's. And I realize the A's won. A lot of the runs came in the ninth inning. But it's still worth noting. It still matters that the Milwaukee Brewers are not just, it's not one or two runs every game, right? And they're actually producing, you know, more than just two or three runs. And that's that's huge for the Brewer. Now, a big series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, it would be a huge statement for the Brewers if they could win two out of three against Arizona. That would be 
massive, I think, for just everybody's well-being. And I talked about this homestand being one that you put your nuts on the table on. Even if you just win one tomorrow, like in this series, you have a four and two homestand. That's pretty good. That's what you want before heading out on the road for us. I think it's a 10 game road trip. Uh, that would be a great, you know, great point in the right direction. Now, if you were able to get five out of six, that would be even better. Tonight's matchup is an awesome pitching duel. Might be first to two runs. Merrill Kelly versus Corbin Burns. Uh, Merrill Kelly's been pitching awesome. So has Corbin Burns. Uh, so I'll, I'll be very excited to watch that one. Then on Tuesday night, you have Colin Ray uh, against Ryan Nelson. Ryan Nelson has not been good, but he's been better at, on the road. His road ERA is really solid. So that will be a challenge for the Brewers. Hopefully they can get to the young stud in Nelson. And then Zach Gallen, potentially the Cy Young for the National League, taking on Julio Tehran. Uh, so we'll see if Tehran's good luck can continue against the very good Arizona team. Gallen has not been the same pitcher away from Phoenix. Uh, so that'll be something to watch. So we'll see if the Brewers can get it done uh, it, for these series before heading out on their long trip because that would be a massive, a massive bump, a massive, you know, sort of, all right, we established we had a bad little stretch there in June, but this is kind of who we are. We've gotten a little healthier, things are better, and we're pointing in the right direction. Let's do one more sports thing, and then I'll, I'll talk about the summer solstice. I want to touch on this Jordan Love uh, Bear, like happy Father's Day to Bears fans video. So Jordan Love uh, said that, uh, and everybody freaked out. Everyone was like, mostly just big cat dan Katz of barcelona sports who i love uh one of the one of the guys i look up to uh one of the guys that i admire uh but he let his bear fandom get in the way a little bit here he's like that's the most asinine thing what do you mean by that uh, i don't get that and he's just going on this tirade about it all and come to find out that the guy who shot the video was they were doing something in france uh like this quarterback thing Jordan Love was there. Deshaun Watson was there. I, I think Justin Fields was supposed to be there, and then he didn't show up uh, for whatever reason. And there was a French Bears fan who asked Jordan Love to wish Happy Father's Day to all Bears fans, just to kind of be funny. And he posted online, and it immediately went viral because every like NFL Twitter person right now is looking for any crumb of content, right? It's like the guy desperate at a strip club that's just looking for that crumb of pussy. Like that's basically what people are with the NFL right now. We are in such a goddamn dead period. So of course we freaked the fuck out about a Jordan Love thing that clearly was, he was fucking around. And I thought it was a cameo uh, because friend of the program, Noel Murphy got a cameo from Jordan Love. It looked very similar to that. So I was like, oh, he's just doing a cameo. Like he's just, you know, he got paid to do that. Someone asked him to wish a happy Father's Day to Bears fans, probably giving a cameo. Maybe it's like a Packer son giving it to his Bears cheering dad, Some, whatever, whatever the fuck it may be, right? But it just shows you that sometimes doing just an ounce of digging and not just relying on one of those big graphics that Bleacher Report puts out, is it's worth your time. It's worth your time, it's worth your energy, and that that's all that was needed. And I knew it from the start, Bears fans are so fucking wound up. They're so scared of us. They really are. Like, I don't know what Bears fans do if we kick their ass week one. If we kick their ass week one, they, you, you have to question everything. And it's week one, right? It, it might not matter. I've talked about this before. Like, 
If but if the Packers do lay the smacketh down on their candy asses, as the Rock would say, it's scary hours, man. You've put so much stock in this football team. You have talked about how good this fucking football team is going to be. How this team is going to take the leap, even though they're Bruno Cabello. They're a year away from being a year away. And yet, you believe this is going to be a great football team. Now, the Bears win. We'll probably be like, okay, hey, celebrate your September Super Bowl. I guarantee you I will say that on the review. And I don't give a fuck because I know that's how Bears fans act. It's fucking stupid. So I, I appreciate getting on a little bit of a rant before I talk platitudes about the Milwaukee Solstice and how great of a time I had. But I had to get it off my chest because it was so, so fucking stupid. It's so, so dumb when it was clearly a cameo that Jordan Love did. Like, get fucking real, man. Like, just take a step back. Take a deep breath. It's, fuck, it's Sunday. It was Father's Day. Enjoy, enjoy it, right? Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was something else. But Bears fans are going to Bears fans, right? All right. Summer Solstice. I think maybe one of the more underrated things that Milwaukee puts out. Now, Milwaukee has street festivals throughout the summer. I think what's really cool about it's not just Summerfest. Like I, I, I always talk about Summerfest. I work with a bunch of people who don't live here. So I always talk in high regard of Summerfest. I always talk about getting people out to come to Summerfest. Like I am, you know, a big champion of Summerfest. But I think what's even more cool than Summerfest are the little street festivals. Like you had Locust Street Days uh, two weeks ago. You had the Solstice last weekend, which I was at. Then obviously it's Summerfest, but then Bastille Days comes in at some point. You're going to have the Harley Fest this year, which is awesome. And you're going to have Brady Street Days. And Brady Street Days is a fucking awesome-ass time. That also is combined with Brewfest, which is down at Veterans Park. And what you would do four or five years ago is you would do the double and you'd go to Brewfest. You get absolutely tanked at Brewfest and you'd walk up to Brady Street Days and you would just ride that bitch out. The last two Brewfests I've had, I was telling Mitch this uh, on Saturday, I got I got so fucking drunk at both of those. Like, so, so drunk. Like, one was in 2019. I came home. My wife wasn't home. I burnt a pizza. Like, I fell asleep, and I woke up at, like, 11, and all of my friends had left. It was one of the worst Saturday nights I've had in a long time. And then the next one, I, I don't, I couldn't really tell you, honestly. <laughs> Like, I just remember being very drunk. I don't really know what the outcome of that night was. I think I had to like just completely scale it back for a little bit, like waters and sodas and get myself kind of back to homeostasis. But, you know, because no, nothing's weirder than like a 35-year-old blacking out. Now, again, I was a little younger when I, when I was doing that. But you get my point, right? So we'll see if I, tr I try to pull that double again. But the solstice was so much fun, man. I had a great time. Uh, like I said, I think it's very underrated. Uh, I, I have a special kinship to it because it, it's right by where I lived for four years uh, with my wife. Uh, so that, that I think, why is why it always holds a special place in my heart. I obviously wasn't around for a couple of years uh, because of COVID. Uh, so a couple of those times when I lived down there, I was, I was robbed of that time. But it was a great, it, like I said, I had a lot of fun. Perfect weather. Uh, saw so much live music. Like there was a point where I was like, all right, I've, I've seen enough. Like, I think it was about nine or nine 30 and we had seen our fourth live act for the day. And one actually in uh, Catalano square in third ward to support one of Mitch's bandmates. And I was like, it's like, all right, 
I've had enough. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's only like a certain certain level you can go. Like, maybe this is a case why I'm not a Bonnaroo guy. Shout out to Dougie, uh, who's there, who's there every year. Uh, I have one opportunity to go to Bonnaroo, uh, and I, I wouldn't say I passed it up. I just kind of I ignored it, which I this is probably a bad friend move by me. But I told Dougie I'd go to Bonnaroo if Connie was there. I didn't go. And I'm glad I didn't because I think it would have ruined Kanye for me because Kanye got up there and just motherfucked everybody and didn't actually perform. If you remember that whole, like, I guess feud they had. I forget when that was. That was in, like, the mid-2010s. mid, mid 2010s. I also had no money at the time. So I was just like, I can't I can't do this. Um, and, and I did. So, but anyways, uh, I did come away thinking I should probably, probably try to seek out more live music. Like, I should try to make you know, more shit happen. Like, if we go support the homie DJ Shaken, who I really want to play him to play the Black uh, Cat Alley. Like, that to me, I don't know if that's really his scene, but I think it would be awesome. Like, I, I think he would thrive in that. I would love an excuse to just hang out in that area. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's a cool little venue uh, that they do. And I, if I were them, like, I would do that more often. Maybe they can't because of the city and some of the rules, but it was, it was awesome. I think one of the cooler things about the Solstice is the way they set it up now. And I was kind of against the venue set up uh, last year because they had changed it. They blocked off all North Avenue back in the day. And North Avenue would just become gridlock and it wasn't that great. And from a traffic perspective, from like an experience perspective, it was great because you just go up and down all the North Avenue and, and there you go. And you'd be like, I was telling Mitch, I remember the old times where you'd go and you'd watch music and then you just go get dummied at, B at BBC, one of the more, also one of the more underrated uh, Milwaukee bars. But now how they spread it out is they do Ivanhoe, they do Kenilworth, and then they have a main stage on Farwell. And you're, it's like this square. And then they have the DJ thing in the Black Cat Alley, which you can cross. And so, but it's like this awesome little efficient square where there's beer everywhere that's ready and available. Every, all the workers are great, like very easy, helpful, you know, taking, you know, easily, like it's not hard to get a beer there. And the bands were so diverse. Like Mitch and I went from listening to indie music to DJs in the alley, to hip hop, to pop rock in like probably an hour and a half, if you will. Uh, so I think that's the cool thing too. It's not just one genre. Like it's not just all hip hop. Like not one stage is just, hey, it's the country stage. Hey, it's the indie rock stage. Hey, it's the rap stage. No, it's like, you don't know necessarily what you're gonna get. Uh, and I think it's also awesome that's all ages, right? Like there are people with kids that were there. There were people that were just parents hanging out. They're college kids. There are people that are our age. Like it, it, didn't, it didn't have an age limit, which is cool. I wish, I think there are so many places in Milwaukee, and I, I think this is for any city, but there are so many places in, you know, the, the U.S. where you have age limits, where you're like, I can't go to this bar because I'm too old. That's said a lot, right? Uh, I, even, yes, we were talking about where to go next after we kind of was like, all right, we had enough. We ended up hanging out at Nomad, but I, I we were kind of like, ah, oh, maybe Third Street because it's closer to the burbs, but we're like, we can't just go show up at the harp, the two of us. Like, that's fucking weird. We're not doing that. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not gonna end up there. I like. There are certain bars on on third you could probably do that too, but I, I think you get the point where you there are age limits on places where it's just like that's yeah, it's probably weird that we're here and 
So, and I think what's nice about, you know, something like Solstice is you don't feel that. Like, I don't, I definitely did not feel that uh, there, which is great. And a couple <laughs> funny stories uh, before I go to my music recommendations, people I liked that we saw there. Um, so I, I felt like I saw this Milwaukee home uh, reversible basketball jersey, like one of those pennies that you'd wear. And it was like green and purple. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like... It, I, I don't know how much gear, how much wear it would get out of me, but it's definitely something like could wear the pool, could, you know, wear, you know, it's bachelor party. But, but so I was like, okay, that's, yeah, that's kind of nice. And I, I look at it and I, I like call it out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And the guy who's working is like, isn't that cool? Like, isn't that great? And I look at it again and it says Milwaukee Homo on it. So it's a shirt for pride. And I was with Mitch. And it was just two, the two of us. I know Grant had a wedding ring. Mitch didn't have a wedding ring. So maybe they knew it was, was a friend of mine and not I was the bear for Mitch. Uh, but like, definitely like, I definitely had to uh, play it up. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not, I, I think that they're great like sports shirts and they're gay sports fans and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I was like, yeah, you know, not exactly what I'm going for. Uh, I I will support my gay brothers and sisters, but that's <laughs> that was not not necessarily uh, where I was uh, where I was leaning towards. But all in all, man, it was great to be back in the city. Great to be back in that area. I walked by my old place. Had a lot of like feels. I didn't necessarily have like I should have never like moved out. I know had that very sappy uh, Milwaukee to Brookfield pod that I've heard I've heard a lot of feedback about. Uh, which I, I, I still defend. Uh, till I will defend that one till the day I die. Uh, that, I, that was from the depths of my heart. And maybe it was a little bit too serious. But I still, I always want to be open with you guys. If you haven't listened to that one, I think it's back in like September. You can go find that. Uh, if you're into uh, sappy chalk or you like this kind of content. Uh, anyways, uh, it was still nice to be back. Uh, I took a picture in front of Chopsticks. I posted that on Twitter and Instagram. T- uh, Tabby the on Twitter, Tabby the Sports on Instagram. Chopsticks, man, always fucking delivers. I didn't eat, we didn't actually get Chopsticks. Uh, but if I had thought about it, maybe maybe we would have uh, got ourselves a little sesame chicken uh, middle, of the, middle of the evening. Bands I saw that I liked, Tigera, fucking rocked, man. Like, great pop rock band. Uh, Holy Pinto, uh, this indie band with a, a British singer, thought they were great, uh, did, did awesome as well. Uh, so yeah, check those two out if you need a little extra music, want some local music, and support the, uh, the local arts a little bit. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, I do not know uh, what Mission's schedule is like, but if it's as it's been, we will pod tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a Tuesday pod for you, take off Wednesday. And then we'll get you for Thursday as well as Friday. Uh, although I do have a busy Friday, I might. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll talk. We'll talk to the producers and see see if it's a Wednesday off or a Friday off. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. But as we get maybe closer to the NBA draft, maybe there'll be more things to talk about. So maybe that's the case for why we do a Friday pod. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good Monday. Enjoy the day off if you have it. If you're not, if you're working. Enjoy that too and enjoy Juneteenth. All right, take care. Have a good one. Peace.